week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, as always. This week I will be discussing the harsh reality of our own military actually firing upon UFOs. Eyewitness accounts, testimonies from people who were in the zone, in the know, and watched what happened. And the only reason that our military decided it was a good idea to fire upon unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomenon is they watched China, Russia, and Japan fire upon strange vessels flying in the sky near their nuclear test sites, their power plants, their military bases. Within a certain proximity, when they got near, their artillery would go off and start firing on these things. And the interesting thing about it is when fired upon, they don't return fire. It's almost like throwing a snowball at a giant. It just kind of laughs at you. The snowball does nothing to the giant. In fact, when firing upon them, you will notice that it's constant deflection. It doesn't even hit its mark. It flies by, it flies through, it becomes completely dismantled. Uh, to the point where there is a missile test in North Korea, near China, closer, actually closer to South Korea, and when the missile was fired, these three strange light orbs, some strange metallic craft, came down, circled this warhead three times, and in midair, completely dismantled it to where it fell to the earth and did not harm anyone. Same thing has happened in the United States or, say, around Germany, military bases, various parts of the world. They will fire upon these things, and they will circle around what's being fired, completely disarm or dismantle it in midair by just shooting beams of light at it. Every expert who has encountered these, former intelligence agencies, secretaries of defense, for example, former secretary of defense for Israel, stated that they had in their possession an unknown craft of unknown origin, obviously not of this world, and were trying to reverse engineer. They were unsuccessful, but before the vessel was seized from the actual Israeli military, they did manage to open it, but they didn't have clearance to enter it. That is what I will be discussing this week on this episode of Paranormally Speaking. Asking a simple question, has our military fired upon UFOs. And should we be doing that? Couldn't that create some sort of a hostile response? But once again, it's like throwing a snowball at a giant. It doesn't really affect them. Nothing is hitting them. So let's just hope for the best. Please hold while we break for a commercial from one of my sponsors. I know. We got to do this again. I'll be back. Thank you. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the Sirius XM Platinum VIP Plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. 
Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. My apologies. I was just informed that the intro lead-in song sounded like utter and total bloody shite. So my apologies on that. We will make sure on my end that that does not happen again. Leading into our first story within this ever-growing segment. On October 23, 2010, F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, temporarily lost the ability to communicate with 50 of its Minuteman III missiles. The five-missile alert facility is responsible for launching those ICBMs Alpha through Echo, compromising the 319th Strategic Missile Squadron, would have been unable to do so during the period of the disruption. The dramatic story was leaked to Mark Ambender, a contributing editor at The Atlantic, which published that story three days later. The U.S. Air Force then quickly acknowledged the problem, saying that a backup launch system could have performed the task and claiming that the breakdown had lasted a mere 59 minutes. Truth be told, it lasted 26 hours. However, the latter statement was untrue, according to two missile technicians, Staten at F.E. Warren, who say that the communications issue, while intermittent, actually persisted over 26 hours. Significantly, these same individuals report sightings by numerous teams of an enormous cigar-shaped craft that maneuvered high above the missile field on the day of this disruption. The huge UFO appeared similar to a World War I German Zeppelin, but had no passengers gondola or advertising on its hull. It would, uh, as it would with a commercial blimp. The confidential Air Force sources also report that their squadron commander was warned witnesses not to talk to journalists or researchers about the things they may or may not have seen in the sky and that he threatened several severe penalties for anyone violating security. Consequently, these persons must remain anonymous at this time. The disquieting information was provided to noted researcher and author Robert Hastings, who over the past several months has interviewed law enforcement and civilian eyewitnesses to ongoing UFO activity near F.E. Warren's ICBM sites. Between September 2010 and April 2011, Hastings has just published a detailed expose on those developments titled Huge UFO Sighted Near Nuclear Missiles During October 2010 Launch. System Disruption? which may be read at www.theufochronicles.com backslash 2011 backslash 06 backslash huge dash UFO dash sighted dash 
near dash nuclear dash missile missiles underscore 19.html. If you want the full address uninterrupted, you can email me with any of your queries, and I will be happy to provide all the following information. The article can also be located at the UFO Chronicles homepage by placing its title in the Google site search box. The October 23rd missile incident occurred less than a month after Hastings, September 27th, 2010 UFO Nukes Connection press conference at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., during which seven U.S. Air Force veterans discussed UFO incursions at nuclear weapons sites during the Cold War era. CNN streamed that event live. A full-length video was available on YouTube. According to the veterans, including two retired colonels, the still-classified incidents involved sudden appearance of a mysterious aerial craft that briefly hovered over ICBM sites and sometimes disrupted the missile's guidance and control systems. During one December 1980 case, a disc-shaped UFO sent down laser-like beams into a nukes storage depot. The witness said that they felt compelled to speak out about the reality of UFO activity at nuclear weapons sites and urged the U.S. government to finally reveal the facts to the American people. Regarding the recent situation at F.E. Warren Air Force Base, Hastings emphasizes that his sources have not said that the UFO sightings during that October 23, 2000 and 10 missile communications disruption actually caused it. And it must be noted that the Air Force's Global Strike Command has officially attributed the problem to an improperly replaced circuit card in a weapons system processor. He adds, nevertheless, the intermittent presence of a huge cigar-shaped aerial craft during the hours-long, not minutes-long crisis was definitely noted and remarked upon a various technical team mock-up working on the base's missile field. Hastings concludes that the UFO sightings near Warren's missile sites in recent months by Air Force personnel and civilians present the latest chapter in the UFO nukes connection saga. Its well-documented history, as revealed by recently declassified U.S. government files and military eyewitness testimonies, extend back to December 1948. Countless official denials about the reality of the situation have been issued over the years, but sooner or later, this amazing story will break wide open. What we need now is a courageous government whistleblower to come forward with the facts and some daring journalists willing to treat the story seriously and write about it. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available And last spring, my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. 
I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Well, this is the kind of news headline I'm talking about. What I'm about to share with you. Two U.S. fighter planes were scrambled in order to shoot down an unidentified flying object over the English countryside during the Cold War, according to secret files made public as of recent. One pilot said he was seconds away from firing 24 rockets at the object, which moved erratically and gave a radar reading like a flying aircraft carrier. The pilot, Milton Torres, now 77, and living in Miami, said it spent periods motionless in the sky before reaching estimated speeds of more than 7,600 miles per hour. After the alert, a shadowy figure told Torres he must never talk about the incident, and he duly kept silent for more than 30 years. His story was among dozens of UFO sightings, in defense files released at the National Archives in London. In a written account, Torres described how he scrambled his F-86D Sabre jet in calm weather from the Royal Air Force Base at Manston, Kent in May of 1957. I was only a lieutenant and very much aware of the gravity of the situation. I felt very much like a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, he said. The order came to fire a salvo of rockets on the UFO. The authentication was valid, and I selected 24 rockets. I had a lock on it and had the proportions of a flying aircraft carrier, he added. The larger the airplane, the easier the lock on. This blip almost locked itself. And at the last moment, the object disappeared from the radar screen, and the high-speed chase was called off. He returned to base and was debriefed the next day by an unnamed man who looked like a well-dressed IBM salesman. He threatened me with a national security breach if I breathed the word about it to anyone. The documents contain no official explanation for the incident, which came to light at the heightened tension between the West and the Soviet Union. Planes were on a constant standby at British bases for possible Soviet attacks. The files blame other UFO sightings on weather balloons, clouds, or normal aircraft. Torres said he had been waiting 50 years for an explanation. I shall never forget it, he told the Times. On that night, I was ordered to open fire even before I had taken off. That had never happened before. UFO expert David Clark said the sighting may have been part of a U.S., project to create phantom aircraft on radar screens to test Soviet air defenses. Perhaps what this pilot had been seeing was some kind of experiment on electronic warfare or maybe it was a UFO. He said something very unusual happened and these files of course are online at www.nationalarchives.gov.uk backslash backslash UFOs. The British X-Files of UFOs is finally going public. The UK's Ministry of Defense will publish secret UFO reports for the first time. 
The UK's official government investigation of UFOs can be traced to a group formed in the 1950s, a flying saucer working party of sorts. From the early 1950s until 2009, a department in the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense documented and investigated reports of UFOs. Now more than a decade after the program ended, many of those formerly classified files about UFO sightings will be made available to the public for the first time. Previously, some MOD files about UFOs had been published online at the UK National Archives website, the Telegraph reported. However, all of the agency's UFOs reported will be released this year on a dedicated gov.uk webpage, a spokesperson for the British Royal Air Force told the Telegraph. The decision came after PA Media, a British news agency, filed a request for the UFO files under the Freedom of Information Act, according to the Telegraph. MOD officials decided it would be better to publish these records rather than continue sending documents to the National Archives, the RAF spokesperson said. The UK's fascination with UFOs spiked around the 1950s, prompting the MOD to form the Flying Saucer Working Party to address the phenomenon. According to the UK National Archives, UFOs in the early 1950s even captured the attention of Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who sent a memo to his air minister in 1952 asking, what does all this stuff about flying saucers amount to? What can it mean? What is the truth? The Flying Saucer Group concluded that UFOs were hoaxes, delusions, or ordinary objects that were misidentified, recommending that no further investigation of reported mysterious aerial phenomena be undertaken. Nevertheless, other MOD divisions continued to work on official UFO investigations in the UK, ushering such efforts into the 21st century, the National Archives reported. The last UFO report to be published online by the MOD dates to 2009, covering sightings that took place from January through the end of November of that same year. These included a silver disc-shaped light, reported in January 2009, up to 20 orange and red glowing lights, reported in June. A large bright silver-white ball sphere, reported in July, and three blazing gold orbs and a diagonal line in the sky, reported in September after MOD enacted a policy change on December 1st, 2009, the agency no longer recorded or investigated UFO sightings, according to the report. But what they did find, including many recent UFO reports that were previously available only as hard copies, will be published online within the next few months, said Nick Pope, a former UFO investigator for the MOD. And keep in mind, it wasn't even six, eight months ago, maybe a little less than that, that our own Navy, our own military, confirmed that for years, and has been active recently, that the Navy and the Air Force have been tracking strange flying craft. They have confirmed that this is true. They've had videos from cockpits showing these encounters, and they cannot identify the source, what it is, or where it's coming from. All they have is the evidence of it taking off, defying the laws of known physics. Fantastic.
Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. Hey, thanks for coming back after that much-needed commercial break. I didn't have time to make a sandwich, but I'll just keep rolling with it. On May 9th, 2001, Stephen M. Greer took the lectern at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in pursuit of the truth about unidentified flying objects. Greer, an emergency room physician in Virginia and an outspoken UFOologist, believed that the government had long withheld from the American people its familiarity with alien visitations. He had founded the Disclosure Project in 1993 in an attempt to penetrate the sanctums of this conspiracy. Greer's reckoning that they featured some 20 speakers. He provided in support of his claims a 492-page dossier called the Disclosure Project Briefing Document. For public officials, too busy to absorb such a vast tract of suppressed knowledge, Greer had prepared a 95-page executive summary of the Disclosure Project briefing document. After some throat clearing, the executive summary began with a brief summary, which included a series of bullet points outlining what amounted to the greatest secret in human history. Over several decades, according to Greer, Untold numbers of alien craft have been observing our planet and observed within our planet's airspace. They were able to reach extreme velocities with no visible means or lift or propulsion and to perform stunning maneuvers at G-forces that would turn a human pilot to soup. Some of these extraterrestrial spaceships had been downed, retrieved and studied since at least the 1940s and possibly as early as the 1930s. Efforts to retrieve engineer such extraordinary machines had to significant technological breakthroughs and energy generation. These operations had mostly been classified as cosmic top secret, a tier of clearance 38 levels above that typical granted to commander in chief. Why? Greer asked had such transformative technologies been hidden for so long. This was obvious. The social, economic, and geopolitical order of the world was at stake. The idea that aliens had frequented our planet had been circulating among UFOologists since the post-war years. When a Polish imagery, George Adamaski, claimed to have rendezvoused with a race of kindly Nordic-looking Venezuelans who were distributed by the domestic and interplanetary effects of nuclear bomb tests in the summer of 1947. 
An alien spacecraft was said to have crashed near Roswell, New Mexico. Conspiracy theorists believe that the vaguely anthropomorphic bodies had been recovered there and that the crash debris had been entrusted to private military contractors who raced to unlock alien hardware before the Russians could by reverse engineering. Documents unearthed after the fall of the Soviet Union suggested that the anxiety about an arms race supercharged by alien technology was also mutual. All of this, UFOologists claim, had been covered up by Majestic 12, a clandestine paragovernmental organization convened under executive orders by President Truman. President Kennedy was assassinated because quote-unquote, he planned to level with Premier Krobachev. Kennedy had confided in Marilyn Monroe, thereby sealing her fate. Representative Steve Schiff of New Mexico spent years trying to get to the bottom of the Roswell incident, only to die of cancer. Greer's executive summary was woolly, but discerning. Readers could find within answers to many of the most frequently asked questions about UFOs. Assuming, as Greer did, the UFOs are helmed by extraterrestrials, why are they so elusive? Because the aliens are monitoring us. Why? Because they are discomfited by our aspiration to weaponize space. Have we shot at them? Yes. Should we shoot at them? Hell no. Really? Yes. Why not? They are friendly. That's why you don't shoot at them. How do we know this? Obviously, any civilization capable of routine interstellar travel could terminate our colonization in a nanosecond. If that was their intent, that we are still breathing free air on Earth is an abundant testimony to the non-hostile nature of these ET civilizations. One obvious question seems not to have occurred to Greer. Why, if these spacecraft are so advanced, do they allegedly crash all the time. I wouldn't say it's all the time, but there have been some items of debris, crafts, and humanoids, alien entities, whatever you want to call them, that have been retrieved at different crash sites. Only a few on record. There could be more. Really, really hard to tell. But that could have a lot to do with the overall magnetic polarity on our planet. It is a bit different the aliens who have crashed on this planet could have not been ready for atmospheric changes, temperature changes, our overall environmental change, the polar caps, the way the, the magnetism between Earth and the moon and how our solar system works with the energy of our sun could have disrupted something simple on their craft that they were not prepared for until they did crash and then back to the drawing board for those who come to retrieve or who come to continue to study us because they learned from the mistakes of the past how not to repeat the same error and end up crashed on our planet. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Next segment. This story I'm about to share with you is absolutely mind-blowing. It was sent to me about a week ago, and it's connected to the declassified and recently unearthed files from the CIA 
on UFO phenomenon, stating that a UFO attack occurred and five extraterrestrials petrified 23 Russian soldiers. 23 Russian soldiers lost their life during a UFO attack in Siberia. The CIA declassified report describes this event as a horrific picture of revenge on the part of extraterrestrial creatures, a picture that makes one's blood freeze. The frightful information was one of the many published online by the CIA directly connected to their website. Chiefly, it involves a horrible event about a UFO alien attack which turned into stone 23 Russian soldiers. Now, I said earlier this occurred in 1988. I was mistaken. It was March 27, 1993. This infamous report was created then. In a translation of a report from the Ukrainian newspaper, Ternopil Virginility, namely the newspaper claims that after Mikhail Gorbachev lost his leadership, many KGB files ended up in CIA hands. Among them, allegedly there was a 250-page portfolio on the strange UFO attack. The report included pictures and witness statements as well. This next story is unbelievable. When I saw the video footage of this, I could not believe what I was seeing. I had to watch it over and over again. A UFO bigger than Earth flying past the sun was spotted by NASA's observation mission. The development comes weeks after a camera at the International Space Station spotted an unknown cone-like object that was flying upward. NASA's stereo observation mission has spotted what fans of conspiracy theories said is a gigantic UFO flying past the sun. The incident itself occurred on the 29th of February, but the footage of it has posted just recently on the channel Hidden Underbelly 2.0, dedicated to the mysteries, events, and sightings. According to the host, Stereo's camera filmed the humongous object for four seconds, after which it turned off and began working only after the UFO had passed completely out of sight. This humongous object appears to be bigger than Mercury. It appears to be bigger than Venus. And it appears to be bigger than our own planet Earth. If you can tell this thing doesn't look like our space station in no way, it doesn't look like any satellite than any expert who has analyzed this video has ever seen. To be honest, when I first saw the footage, I thought of Ezekiel's wheel. If you're familiar with the story of Ezekiel seeing a giant wheel in the sky, at that time in human history, if you see a craft in the sky, some kind of an unidentified flying object, uh, the point of technology in that area and that realm was equivalent to the size and shape of a wheel. They didn't have saucers. They didn't have discs. They only had things that normally are in the sky to compare it to, which would be a bird. But to see a wheel in the sky kind of blew Ezekiel's mind, which is why that story is so significant. The host of the Hidden Underbelly refers to to a saying in the book of Ezekiel where the prophet spoke about a flying chariot or described as a wheel, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. NASA has not yet issued a response to this encounter, but the video footage is available 
and it is connected to the space station observation. And it is out there. You've just got to look for this. Google UFO bigger than Earth on Google search, and you'll be able to find this and see it for yourself. It is truly mind-blowing. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. That is it for this episode this week. But I'm going to close the show out with a message from a very dear friend of mine. And if you've listened to this show for very long, you know that I've collaborated with him and his wife and his team on many occasions. Uh, He's appeared on my podcast. I've appeared on their morning show many times. In fact, since 2017, they had me on in the beginning of October to promote and get everyone excited about Halloween, haunted locations, haunted houses, real haunted locations, paranormal hotspots, and of course commercial haunted houses, things that they're doing at Tecumseh Theater in Chillicothe, and plus talking about my experiences. They have me in the beginning of October, and then the week of Halloween, they always have me come back for more. That would be Loper and Randy in the morning on 99.7 The Blitz out of Columbus, Ohio. They have done the morning show for over 10 years. Five years in a row now, they have won the People's Choice Award from the state of Ohio syndicate listening group. Beating out other bigger radio programs that broadcast out of Columbus as well, like the shit show The Morning Zoo on 97.9 don't waste your time with them but 99.7 The Blitz with Loper and Randy in the morning was a staple for over a decade and it was the only reason I would tune in to a regular broadcast radio station in the morning during a drive or when I'm at home doing something and I have it playing in the background if I'm not at my day job during then it was announced yesterday from Loper's, Jeremy Loper's page on Facebook that Monday was their last show. It was apparently a shock to him and his wife, Randy, as well. The message goes like this. Yesterday was our last show on 99.7 The Blitz. It was not our choice and very much a surprise. When we can say more, we will. Now, he took the time to message me about this before posting it to let me know what was going on that he really doesn't know what they're going to do next he has some ideas lined up and some other prospects because a month ago he saw the writing on the wall but I'm not at liberty to say anything more than that 
The message goes on to say, until then, thank you, Columbus. Thank you for 10 amazing and life-changing years. We both appreciate each and every person that gave up their valuable time to listen to our show every morning. Many of you became part of our extended family and heard all about our children growing up as we grew with you guys. The connections and friendships we made here are some of the most special either of us have ever had. Trying to express how much you, the audience, mean to us is extremely difficult to articulate. Also, we were blessed with an amazing team. Huge thanks and much love to Kelly Quinn and Thick Rick, their producer. I've talked to Rick and Kelly since this, and they are in as much shock as Loper and Randy were. Loper goes on to say, Everything we accomplished wasn't just the two of us, it was the four of us, the entire team. This is far from the end. We're just warming up. Details on when new content will drop and where the show will air next will be announced soon. Don't blink. Love you guys. Loper and Randy. And this is apparently not their choice. Not really sure what led to it. I'll know more soon, but what an amazing time I had doing shows with Loper and Randy in October since 2017. And of course, I always featured those segments on my own podcast. And I'm so grateful to them and their show for really helping to propel my book sales further to a different audience, to a more broad audience, and then helping me kick my podcast off in 2019. They were a huge help in that avenue, giving me tips, showing me tricks, helping me out, promoting me. They would plug my show, my YouTube channel, and my books at least twice a month without me having to ask or beg them to do so. They did it on their own accord because they are that kind, they are that thoughtless, and they had become very good friends. And I really hate to see their show end on 99.7 The Blitz. A lot of people have messaged me about this, outraged over what's happening with that station and swearing an oath to boycott the station, no longer listen to the morning show. Rick and Kelly are still there and they need all the ears they can get. This isn't Rick and Kelly's doing. This is corporate conglomerates doing. These are investors that did this, that own stock shares in the station. The station that with this morning show was doing beyond well and they still stuck it to Randy and Loper probably to save two ninety five a week I don't know but it's a sad ending to a legacy that is by far too short lived but you will hear of Loper and Randy again and I will keep you posted on where they will pop up and how to listen to their show and planning on having Loper on an episode of my podcast soon. I've had other guests, but I never saw the point in having Loper since we do the thing in October all the time anyway, and it felt a bit redundant, but now I feel like I owe him that, and I'm very sorry to see them go, very angry. But that's it for this week. 
I hope you learned something valuable. Fun fact, the fire department, local fire department, police departments, they have in their handbooks how to properly handle a close encounter of the third and fourth kind. That would be a mass sighting, a crashed UFO, or an encounter with an inhabitant from said craft. How to go about it, what not to do, to not approach, to not make contact, to not fire a weapon at. These things have all come into fruition and have been talked about for years, for decades, or a little over a century. And it's finally mainstream now because the Pentagon and NASA and our military have admitted that these things, in fact, do exist. They call them UFOs. They call them UAPs. They call them USOs. They can change the name as much as they want, but the general public knows what's going on. They always have. There's always been some suspicion, more than enough evidence to go after them with, and they finally dropped their pants and showed us their cards. And what better time to do that than in the middle of a global pandemic to release that type of information? When everyone's looking to the right, they release that to the left. Smart move, Pentagon. Touche, NASA. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Join me next week for more of the unusual, the uncanny, the strange, the unheard of, the hidden, the mysterious, and the creepy AF. Have a great weekend and a terrific Labor Day on Monday. Sorry if you have to work. This is Neil Parks signing off.